Welcome to Breaker Culture Weekly. The guys from BreakerCulture.com help pull back the curtains and give you insight into the hobby. Sit back and enjoy interviews, product breakdowns, and hobby analysis so you can get your edge in the marketplace. And now, to the show. Hey, what's going on guys? Ty from Breaker Culture and this is episode 72 of Breaker Culture Weekly. Really appreciate you joining today. Uh, today's episode with Shani and I, we're, we're covering all kinds of topics in the hobby that have really stood out to us the last few months. Uh, one of them is a little bit more recent with the Antonio Brown. We, we don't talk necessarily about Antonio Brown, but we talk about really does it make sense as a collector to invest in, in guys that have legal issues? Has there ever been a situation where spending money Collecting a guy with legal issues uh, pays pays off in the end. So we talk about that at the beginning. We do cover a little bit about the NFL season uh, week one, two, and three. So we briefly touch on that. And then uh, the second half, we, we cover quite a few things. But the big topic in the second half is really this the insane price increases in the NBA card market. Um, it, I mean, so I break down some stats for you that are going to blow your mind. It really is crazy what's happening with prices in the NBA NBA card market, and we, we talk about talk about that from a various angles. But we give you the stats. But we also just, I mean, is there is there a way around this? Is there something we're missing from the distributor side? What is it that maybe Panini's doing? So we give our thoughts there, and we'd love to know your reactions to that. So feel free to go to YouTube, find this episode, jump in the comments, go to our new Discord channel, which you'll find in the notes. If you want to go to that channel, you can easily chat there. Um, you'll find a group of people on the on the forums as well, but uh, if you want quick access, just jump on the Discord channel, um, and you can chat with anyone about the uh, the podcast episode. And specifically, I'm going to put this topic out there for us to talk about. Okay, and then we respond to some other news and, and some releases that are coming out as well, and then potentially how to collect NBA cards from now until the release of Prism. But anyway, thank you for listening. Go check out the YouTube channel. We put out three episodes, quote episodes, the last week. Two box openings or case openings. And then we, we updated our 2019 Bowman pricing ladder. I put a video together and I identified the six prospects that look like potentially good um, good spots to jump in and buy their cards um, just based on what the data is showing. So check that out. Go to YouTube, type Breaker Culture, all one word, and you'll see uh, your CL channel there. And you can also just go to the show notes and we'll have a link for you there. So anyway, enjoy the show. Have a great week. Episode 73 is coming out on Friday. And uh, you're going to like the interview with uh, a very prominent breaker. So stay tuned for that. Have a great week. Enjoy the show. Mr. Shani, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, Ty. Lovely, beautiful Saturday morning. Oh, Weather is unseasonably warm still in Pittsburgh, and I'm loving it. it. Okay. Oh, what yeah. Is what does that mean? Like mid-80s? <clears throat> that means mid-80s, even high-80s. We're creeping into the 90s, I believe. Over the We have already this past week, and we're going to continue to over the next week. Okay. Um, I'm loving it. I love the warm weather. I love Pittsburgh. But I really despise the winter, and these days, 
are the last, you know, several days we're going to enjoy of this sun until it becomes that six months of gray and gloom. Mm. So I'm yeah. not complaining. Yeah, for sure. We're, um, we're kind of in the same boat. We're getting, getting ready to hit the nice 75 degree four week stretch where all you want to do is be outside. But before we get there, we're getting, uh, we're getting some of the hurricane rain this weekend. Like oh, did seven you? Seven inches. Yeah. That's supposed Ooh. to be crazy. Yeah. But screw the like weather, we don't man. Have anything else to talk about, but the weather. Yeah. Oh my I know. God. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Well, let, let's start with, we have a ton to cover today and I'm excited to cover most of this. Well, let's start with, let's start with your favorite receiver in the NFL. And tell uh, Lynn Dude, Swan? what the heck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he this is obviously the the hot news is he was cut yesterday from the Patriots. I mean, look, you and I were talking offline. This is the the fun part about the hobby is that something like this can absolutely destroy the value of a card. Not that Antonio Brown had some miraculous value, but what's the last last player that had a legal issue and or like very evident mental issue that sustained some sort of value? Here's wow, that's a good this. question. Do it this first sign of an issue like this, as a collector or you know, quote investor in the hobby, do you should you pull out? That's a good question, and my knee-jerk answer would be yes. Because uh, I, I, I cannot think... think of a guy who's had a legal issue and has sustained some of sort of value. Who's that? I can think of one, but Rodman. Did he have any value? I, I mean, he I has some so. value now yeah. because he's kind of nostalgia. <laughs> I don't oh, think back right. in the day saying, he did. I definitely wasn't interested in Rodman back when he was playing because I wasn't really into cards right. at that time. So that's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I say Rodman now. And it's not like Rodman is high level value, but he has value. Yeah. I mean, the, the guys um, I think of are like – Maybe an Ezekiel Elliott, maybe an Odell Beckham Jr., who are kind of edgy bad boys, have had a little bit of like legal run-ins, but they're kind of sustaining some value. Well, actually, here's another good example: is Adrian Peterson is just <laughs> so. That's a great example. He was enormous value, and it's nothing. He's nothing now. I shouldn't say nothing, but relative to where he was before any issues, his value is yeah. I mean, on the dollar. in baseball, <clears throat> in baseball, you, I mean, you lose value almost immediately. Yeah. I mean, immediately. I mean, look at Jung Ho Kong is a great example, right? I mean, the, the dude was a phenomenal rookie. He was top three. Interestingly, five years he ago. had a unique situation in terms of market value where you had fans in the States, obviously pirates fans, mostly. But he, his, his real hobby value was driven by the Korean mm. card investor slash buyer slash fan. And even they have dropped off. They're <laughs> the not entire country has written you off. Yeah. I mean, he, he was essentially the biggest name in sports in Korea for he a couple of years. He was the Ichiro of Korea, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, no, and, no, I think... and probably could have the, – the sky was the limit for that guy. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, then then you think about basketball. I mean, who who would you say are the bad boys now in the NBA? Guys that 
I think KD is actually on that. He's walking that razor right now. But, I mean, there's no legal issues, right? I think it's just more of a... No, but it's actually even more interesting. Well, I think that makes it potentially even more interesting because there there, there really hasn't been a particular issue. But from the time he left OKC, he has only won. And we've only seen his prices go down. This is a fascinating subject because you think about the the parallel conversation we're having here, and that is, are are good guys, are wholesome guys, better investments? <laughs> because you think you think about it. Look, you think about a Tim Tebow, the right. ultra Christian dude on the complete up and up, and he's he somehow sustained this value in the hobby. Despite performance, yeah, I that's one very <laughs> slim example. I would tend to think that it's not the case. There are a lot of wholesome that are never even spoken of. Let's say that first and foremost. Sure, but I think sure. you do have a handful of guys that are probably boosted by a slight element of that. Um, I mean, I think of the first name that keeps coming to my head in that respect is Breeze, but. Breeze is also Breeze. I mean, mm. yeah, he, he doesn't have to be a good, wholesome guy. And his performance, and his, not only his performance year after year, but his total performance, obviously, has made him who he is in the hobby. Um, and obviously more so in general yep. in the sport. But um, I, I, think, I think there is a, an underlying likability factor that goes certainly. into the value of a card. But I would agree 100%, but I don't think likability is only about being wholesome. I think there are a lot of guys out there that are likable that you would not also categorize as wholesome. Sure. But, you know. Yeah. Well, and and again. I definitely will say, I'll I'll augment it a little bit. I will say that likability, for the most part, is at least going to mean – not being in the headlines the wrong way. So I don't think it has to be wholesome like a Tebow, but it definitely is somebody that can't be in the headlines for any wrong reason. Right. Yeah, I mean, another great example, right, is a guy – well, a couple great examples. You got these young guys like Zion Williamson and Patrick Mahomes who are arguably the faces of their sport right now. Zion's funny enough that he is. Having uh, not even played a, a second in the NBA. Play a game, right? Yeah. But two guys who, I mean, look, we don't know what their beliefs are. We don't know how, quote, wholesome they are, but they're very respectable in front of the camera. They're, they seem to be very likable around other people. I think that is just like an accelerator to their value. I agree. Uh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do agree. I think the, the, that factor is there. So we agree that. A fan First is only sign of going legal trouble, to... you sell. <laughs> Mark this date. <laughs> First sign of legal trouble, get rid of that player because it's only going downhill. I think it's unrecoverable. Um, generally speaking, I mean, it, I think it's recoverable to a degree. I don't think it could be years. If recoverability is getting back to the same value that person had once had before, I would agree that it's unrecoverable. I don't I don't think there if we sat here long enough and really racked our brains that we would come up with many names of folks that 
got back to where they were pre-issue. Hmm. Yeah. Doesn't they can't become they can't still be or get back to being very valuable in the hobby. Yeah. But I you know, yeah, it's a it'll be a notch down for the foreseeable or even the entire future. Right. Right. Well, since we are on the topic of NFL, I mean what what has stood out to you in the first couple of weeks of the NFL season? Anything in particular? I mean, outside of Pittsburgh being so great. Oh God, I don't even. We're, we're not talk talking. About, let's not talk about Steelers. Like I can't. I can't. No, I no. I mean, there's not what. What's there to talk? I mean, the only thing there is to talk about is Mason Rudolph, and that is exciting, but for the wrong reasons, unfortunately. But uh, what has stood out to me in the NFL that Kyler Murray is good. Hmm. That okay. my parlay teaser bet on the over under rushing the over under passing and him winning the rookie of the year might come true i think it will and come true <laughs> it's and it's likely going to be my biggest win of the year yeah if it does happen um i'll go back to something i said during our nfl episode preseason nfl episode and that is they are who we thought they were mm-hmm I think Baker Mayfield is a better quarterback than the Browns have had in a long time. I think they've got some real highlights on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively, and 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 great players there. But you know that, and that's why I think you have to look at culture and say, yep. despite what they have, they are still the Cleveland Browns until they're not anymore. And I don't know what it would take for them to get to that point. I, I do think in terms of X's and O's, they still have a really weak line. And we know this game is won and lost by those guys that don't really have a lot of impact on the hobby. Mm-hmm. Offensive linemen. Right. Defensive linemen, of course, as well. And, you know, defensive linemen tend to be bigger names, especially pass rushers. Than the O-linemen, but it's in the trenches, and yeah. they seem just – on the defensive side, they're okay. Maybe could use at least one more solid guy there, and I'm not sure if it's a pass rusher or a, or a middle linebacker, but on the offensive side, their their line isn't – and I think Baker needs a little bit more time than your average star starting quarterback, and, and it, it's understandable. He's still only a second-year guy, and uh, he likes to kind of run around a little bit. Who would you say are your top five offensive linemen in the NFL? Oh my God! I can kidding, only kidding! <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, Tony Baselli, <laughs> yeah. uh, Andrew <laughs> so I, I, Fillmore, he's good. Yeah, um, Bobby <laughs> Jenkins, he's good. Um, I'm sure there are guys that can name all of the five starting offensive linemen for every team, but I'm I'm not in that position. I don't think I can name five in the NFL. I can but, name five from the Steelers. You could probably name five from the Kansas City Chiefs, but that's it. Maybe you uh, can. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you on Kyler Murray. I am I am extremely impressed. I've watched both of his games in their entirety because I've just wanted to get a feel for Kyler. And his, right. his feel for the game is really impressive yeah. to me. He just, you can poised. just tell he has it. He's very poised. He's got, I mean, he's got a very good awareness. 
the things that you would mm-hmm. like expect a rookie to do, he's not doing. Oh, I mean, granted, you know, the first two the first two quarters of his first week were brutal to watch. But when he erupted against Detroit in the third quarter, it was like, oh boy, this guy's gonna be good. Interestingly, that that's not exactly an offensive line that many people would be writing home about. But With Kyler's making him I, work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> his, his ability to elude everything is incredible. What was so? What do you think about the Giants shifting to Daniel Jones so quickly? I mean, obviously, from a hobby perspective, it's like, oh my goodness, products are going to continue to rise now. Um, he was already hyped. I think Eli like Big Ben, and they are. They they were both drafted in the same year. Um, I think they were both on a significant downslide in their careers going back to not just last season but even before. And the Giants have some players that they really have the potential of not necessarily being a very good or even a playoff team this year, but start that era. You have Saquon. And I, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I'm right about this. I, I, I was about to say something. I stopped myself, and I'm going to go ahead and say it because I really don't know what the truth is. I think everyone agrees that when they watch the Giants play with Eli at the helm, he, he always looks like he's just bit into a lemon. And I don't know if it's just a facial expression thing. Or if he is actually, if he has the attitude that it looks like he has. And if that's even remotely the case, and he's not playing even close to what he was once playing like, and I don't even think he was ever that good of a quarterback, first of all. And you have a chance to just start a new era with a guy that you obviously believe in. I mean, they traded up. Did They, 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 they did trade up, right? They took him at six. Yeah, they, they traded up. Yeah. They obviously believe in the guy. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I I think beyond what I've just said, obviously something happened in uh, probably going back as far as training camp, certainly since the season started in practice, um, that, that, that Jones was impressing everybody the right yep. way. Did you watch any of his so, preseason games? Did you watch that? Uh, of course not. Yeah. Um, I did, um, and how do you have it, this much time with six kids? Um, I make it a family both? thing. To, and Ray, you, you know <laughs> oh, this is right. Good. You 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 DVR something. You fly through it. I watch the snaps yeah. of the rookies just because I feel like we have to have to know some things here, right? To talk about it, and um, that was not a knock <laughs> on you, by the way. <laughs> that, as I said that, I I'm took like, it that mm, way, but I wasn't offended. Good, good. <laughs> Take it that way. No, but I I was impressed, man. I look preseason. You cannot gauge a, a, the the reality of a player, but no. his arm strength and his talent looked pretty impressive to me. And I was not a fan of, and maybe it's because I was a Drew Lock fan. <laughs> I was not a fan of him trading up to get a guy from he, Duke. But whatever. How did he fly under everyone's radar like he did? I mean, if that's even he played for Duke. I mean, yeah. I mean, that's just the reality, right? He played for Duke. Um, but but there's some other good rookies too though. I'm impressed. I think Josh Jacobs looks really good. As I mean, he was if to, and true, yes, he does. True. I mean, he's not Saquon, but 
the guy is. I'm more impressed that the Raiders have played as well as they have. And I'm, I can't believe I'm about, without AB. I hate saying that, but I think the expectation was so low. And then with AB leaving, it was obviously lowered even more. That well, the Chiefs stomped on them last week. No, I mean, again, totally expected. <laughs> so I don't even hold that against them, you know? All right. That's fair. That's no, I don't think, you know, the Chiefs are clearly a better team. They're a top three team in the league. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwayne Haskins, no, no snaps yet. Blah. David Montgomery for the Bears. Yeah. 25 carries or so. Looking decent. The sleeper that I like, there's two receivers that I really like, though. DK Metcalf for the Seahawks looks really good. The the cartoon? Yeah. <laughs> Is that his nickname? I I don't think so. I mean, I just I heard somebody saying something about his physique and just fanboying about him. Yeah, he's ridiculous. So I was like, all right, I gotta look at this. And I just pulled a picture. I I just Googled DK Metcalf pics on Google. And Weirdo. yeah, wow, that dude is just, he has another career in bodybuilding if he ends up not doing the NFL thing well enough. Yeah, well, he's the type of receiver like Russell Wilson is needed. Like yeah. a physical, strong can receiver. muscle, can box yep. out, can high end the ball. Yeah. I cannot wait to watch him. He play. had a touchdown. Did he have one or he might have even had two touchdowns against the Steelers? Uh, he looked, he's had one he looked, TD, yeah. Yeah. Well, so that that was the one against us. Yep. You're right. He looks very good. He um he's he's definitely one of the top rookies of the year, I think. Even saying I was saying that this early, right? You yeah. Know, well, like, I mean, really geez. there's no there's no other guy maybe outside of Marquise Brown for the Ravens. Well, you said Josh Josh Jacob. Well, I'm saying like receiver-wise. Uh, you mentioned that already. So it's those three. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but Jacobs. Yeah, I can't think of any. Deontay Johnson. <laughs> he he's the Steelers receiver that was drafted. He hasn't really. Seen, I think he has one catch. He hasn't really seen the field. But it, that but that catch though, Shani, the way he positioned himself, his hands, his awareness, it was okay. amazing. He's okay. top. He's top five. Okay. 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 <laughs> uh, I just I knew you had to throw a Steelers rookie in there, and that's what I love about you. You are who uh, you are. <laughs> die hard, man. Gotta be. Die hard. Well, you know what? Look, it, even it people that hate the Steelers, and I know there are a lot of them, you gotta respect how loyal I am, because that's how you are. That's how most of these guys listening to us banter are likely to be. I mean, you're you're a diehard fan of your team. Uh, I, that's how I was born and bred, man. Uh, fair, fair. Well, if we're gonna be diehard. I should probably you throw say something out. about Michael Hardman, right? I was gonna say Hardman with Tyreek Hill out. That's a guy I'd be watching closely. I mean, yeah. if, I mean, there's not I a agree. ton of options for investing in players right now, but he's one of those guys where he might be someone to stash away. Receivers are never good to stash away, but <laughs> no, guy with his definitely speed. Not. Yeah, but anyway, enough of football. Here's my man. question. Yeah. Are, well, one more on the flip side of this kind of conversation is. You know how bad some of the things have been, and 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 if we're talking bad in the NFL, are the Dolphins the absolute worst team that I've seen in decades? Like even worse than the Lions that went over. 
Yeah, because I th- yeah, Cause I think I feel so. Like the Lions had the talent, right? And they were facing a really good NFC North at the time. Yeah, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I don't know, man. The Finns look horrible. I think the Finns are so bad they can tank starting now for two seasons and get Trevor Lawrence. I think a lot of people are thinking that there's a sweepstakes for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. I mean, there is a sweepstakes for Trevor Lawrence, no question about it. Right. And I think a lot of people were assuming, like I was, that that sweepstakes started now for the next draft. Well, it could could totally be one of those Josh Rosen situations, again, for one of these teams that gets a good quarterback this year and then trades him to go get Trevor Lawrence. (laughs) That's interesting. I also wonder, and I've heard this muttering. Muttering? Yeah, yeah, muttering's a word. Um, Whether or not, I I think the last time it was, uh, oh my gosh, who was that running back out of Ohio State that petitioned the NFL to come out of school early and ended up in jail? Claret? No. Claret. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. Maurice Claret. Is there a an avenue for Trevor Lawrence to petition to be able to enter the draft after this season. He's clearly ready. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, the, that's not even thinking or being able to even answer the question as to whether or not he wants that, but he's clearly ready. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Cause there, this is, I mean, this is not a bad draft in 2020. Like, there's some really good quarterbacks coming out. Tua. Yeah, there are. You're right. Right? I mean, Justin Fields, Tua. Yeah. And despite that, if Trevor Lawrence did come out, he'd still be the first one. Jalen Hurts, <laughs> who's absolutely dominating for Oklahoma. Um, yeah. yeah. That's that's going to be well, fun. Is he, an, is he an NFL quarterback? Well, I mean – I I, th- I don't think you would have maybe said that was like conviction heading into the year, but the way he's played the first couple games, three games, <laughs> the guy the guy is just dominating at every level right now. Yeah, yeah. You should tune into the Oklahoma game when they play someone legit and watch how Jalen Hurts plays because I I think his game translates. He reminds me of Baker Mayfield. Go figure, right? Oklahoma uh... system again. We're gonna go. We're gonna go three number one draft picks from Oklahoma, back to back to back. Huh. <laughs> That'd be interesting. I mean, that that's something to be proud of. Interesting yeah. that you can't you can't win despite that. Uh, you could argue they've been. I mean, they have won the national championship, right? Oh wait, did they with Baker? No, they didn't. No. No. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a break. Anyway. Yep. All right, hold on a sec. You got to listen to this. I, I never thought I would give an advertisement for this company because I've heard the advertisement multiple times and I always kind of chuckled. But I am convincingly sold on the idea of Stitch Fix. If you haven't checked out Stitch Fix, please do it. Um, there's, a, there's a link in the show notes. Stitch Fix is a subscription clothing service, and here's how it works literally, you go sign up and you define your style. They show you multiple, you know piece of clothing here's a different outfit what do you like what do you don't like and it defines and kind of creates this style that is yours and they send you monthly or bi-monthly or you can even do like weekly which would be crazy and they send you a box of new clothing 
you'd also define budget so you can you buy things within your price range and they send it to you and this guy pants he's got shirts maybe you got a couple shirts maybe a jacket some shoes you try on decide what you want to keep and you keep it and you pay for it you don't like it you send it back you don't pay for it it's all paid for by the prepaid labels and everything it's it's incredibly cool it's incredibly efficient i've used it now for a while and it's, it's helped me build my wardrobe the stylist that's assigned to you helps you build out a wardrobe that can be mixed and matched over time so what you get three months from now is going to hopefully apply to the stuff that you got three months prior so you can continue to build on your wardrobe and expand your taste a little bit super super awesome guys um you can use it for women you can use it for kids uh, my wife is signing up for it now it's uh Here's the thing. I don't like going and dealing with all the stress of shopping for clothes and in the mall or to some of the retailers. This has taken that stress away and allowed me to, to build my wardrobe at the <laughs> peace and quiet of my own home. Um, best part is go to the show notes, click the Stitch Fix link, and you're going to get 25 bucks off your first month. Um, and you'll be supporting Breaker Culture that way too. So go try it out. It's it's really, there's there's no stress on you. You can try it for a month, and if you like it, you can stick with it. No cost to you. And if... Uh, you don't like it? Say sayonara, man. Back, back to uh, back to regular stressful shopping in the mall. Your choice. Back to the show. All right, so let's shift topics a little bit to something that is obviously relevant in the hobby. And that is the ridiculous explosion of the NBA card market. Something that I don't think we've seen really ever. I mean, you could argue last year we saw an explosion in the NBA market that we hadn't seen in a long time. And then this year it's been, it's taken to them. It's just, this is a ridiculous level. I don't think it's something that needs to be argued. I think everybody would agree that Luca helped explode the hobby for basketball last year. Yep. I just don't know that we've ever seen a situation where in the NBA there have been back-to-back rookies that are on this kind of level. You know, who was drafted the year before LeBron or the year after LeBron that would have sustained or even pushed the hobby from stratosphere to the next stratosphere or even Durant, you know, from – before right. or after him. So We're let me ask you this question. Yeah, Go ahead. Sure. Finish your, th- finish your thought there. We'll no, I mean, it was just summarizing that point that we're looking yeah. at a situation where the hobby was already pushed to such a level by Luca that that's the starting point for Zion to walk into. Mm. And that's yeah. going to, I think, I actually think it's potentially a bad thing. Zion was jumping on a rocket ship, was basically what you were saying. And now he's just yep. accelerating. So, so we're we're gonna have our own NBA kind of rookie episode in a couple of weeks. But if you were to strip Zion out of this class, do you think this class would be comparable to last year's without Zion? No, no, no. You don't think like an That's RJ my... Jaw? Those guys are good enough to. I think that I really like Jaw. I think RJ. If his game really translates the way that some people think it will, there's there's potential for him to be that guy. I think that he has also the potential for being a really quality, I don't know, 20 to 25 
when I say 20 to 25, I'm talking like top end player, but not necessarily like commanding such hobby love. Mm. Now, granted, he's in New York, so if he does well, he's going to command some. But also, New York's really bad, and even with him, they're not going to be much better. Right. You know. Okay. I mean, they have they 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 have a really different team, and they have the potential. But I think just like we, we talked about with Cleveland, their issues are also so deeply rooted in their culture that for them it's it's really it's got to be a, a it's got to be a movement for them. It's got to be players that are really deeply committed to the Knicks and the culture of the Knicks and New York as a city, um, not just X's and O's. And you know, the, I, th- I think a lot of these guys are still looking at playing in New York as great I'm in the NBA when's my contract up and where can I go sure yeah no I agree with that I agree with that so let me give you some stats here so compared to last year we only have one 2019-20 product to go on it's contenders draft everyone's probably seen the video I put out and we've talked about this it's a terrible product <laughs> from a retail side from the hobby side it's it's bearable now here here's some stats on prices compared to last year's 2018-19 contenders draft. Retail wax is up 50%. Hobby wax is up 225%. So that's <laughs> two and a quarter multiplier. Um, just to give you real numbers, hobby case last year was averaging around 1500 This year it's averaging around $3,400. Top team, in a break, a hobby full case break is up nearly 500%. Mavericks so were the top Mavs. team last year. Yeah. They they were 150-ish on average for the first month. Pelicans are, are anywhere between 750 and and $1,000 depending on where you grab your break from for a full case. <laughs> it is, I mean, the, the hobby prices are, are one thing, right? 200, 2x prices from last year that is scary very scary yeah. but when you when you break it down into like the breaks how I many mean, people can buy the pelicans for forget a grand how many people can buy one team in a break for 750 dollars for a product like draft <laughs> yeah and if draft is this much how afraid are we of future products oh, i mean man. The rest of the – this – I mean, my knee jerk, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, how sustainable is this? I'll never be able to buy the Pelicans. That's absolutely for sure. Even well, if so, I was able so one to, of the, I would. Right. You brought this up offline. I think it's a great point. I mean, one of the things I think we're going to have to see is a, is a transformation of the way breakers approach basketball products. Yeah. Like there, there's going to be a lot more player breaks. There's going to be a lot more like by the box. You were telling me that some breakers now yeah, are selling GV, most teams by the case and then the right. Pelicans by the box. Yeah, GV is a breaker that I've uh, I've I've participated in his breaks a lot over the years. And I, I looked all around to get a sense of what the Pelicans were going for, but also because I like buying the Celtics in basketball breaks. And not only were the Celtics – more than I would be willing to pay for for the chance at a Romeo Langford, but the Memphis Grizzlies were three hundred and twenty dollars. The 
Pelicans were $95. And I was like, whoa, wait, what? 95 bucks? I threw them right in my cart, thinking, GV probably made a mistake here, but I'm buying them. And if he tells me, like, I screwed up with the pricing, I get it. I can't really argue that. <clears throat> but then I, I was questioning it, like, no, nah, there's no way he would make this mistake. It'd be one thing if you made a mistake with any other team in the league. But this is the Pelicans. It's the main team. He probably forgot a zero here, 950. But wait. Oh, there's some fine print. Oh, the fine print says this is the price per box. <laughs> what we will do is for the – I can't remember how many boxes are in a case for contenders. Is it 12? Mm-hmm. For hobby case, yep. Right. So there will be 12 Pelican spots purchased. And before the break, we'll random those 12 people that purchased the Pelicans. And you will know before we open the case which box is going to end up being the box that you have the Pelicans in. I thought that was genius. It's still $100. $100. So it's 1200 bucks for the Pelicans. Yeah. That's so nearly the cost of what people were paying for a hobby case last year for one yeah. team. <laughs> it's nuts. It's crazy. I'm sure there are some people that are ecstatic just to have the opportunity to pay 100 bucks to have the Pelicans in one box. Yep. I, I think it's crazy. You know that at minimum, 11 of those boxes are not going to be too good for you, <laughs> hoping for a Zion. More than 12. likely, all 12. Yep. Yep. Yeah, That's no, cool. exactly. So, I mean, the the other side of that argument is the fact that, like, the second team, the Grizzlies, like you were just saying, they're yeah. averaging about 300 bucks. That's almost twice what the Mavericks were going for last year. I mean, and, I, and that, that's, that's the reason I let off with that question, right? Is Ja Morant on the same right. the same level as a, a Luka? Probably not. No, but, I like Ja a lot. I think he's going to, with Jaron Jackson, really help turn Memphis into something special. Yep. I can't wait to watch him play, but he's not Luka. Yeah, well, I mean, so that that is the – you have one side of the coin where you're going to have some teams that are just inflated because the price of the cases are so expensive to get. Right. They're, and then you're going to have the other side. The right. And then you're going to have some teams who I feel like there's just not enough money left over. <laughs> so they're not going to be – they're not going to – I mean, a couple teams in there are going to slide down in value where – you're probably going to be able to snag some pretty good, some pretty good value in some of these teams and players because everyone is so focused on the other big money players this year. You could say that every year, I get it, but this year, there's a major distraction. Yeah, maybe. I think w w your point in saying that is actually even more applicable to purchasing singles. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's applicable to breaks as well, but I think it will be even more so that when folks are pricing and auctions are happening or even best offers are happening for rookie singles throughout the year in basketball products, that those guys that are further down the list are, are going to be some potentially really good buys for you. I mean, that's something to really pay attention to. Outside of five guys, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a whole slew of rookies that are potentially going to be very affordable because 
after you buy a Zion, what can you afford? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and so, I mean, is this is this the market in 2019-20 basketball that finally breaks the camel's back, if you will, on the distribution model? Yeah, so I, I, I can't believe what I'm looking at. I think you feel the same way in conversations we've had offline. We're both just scratching our heads, jaws on the floor, wondering – how is this even going to sustain itself this mm-hmm. year? And this is only contenders. I kind of alluded to it a moment ago. What's Prism going to look like? What's National Treasures going to look like? Five Gs for the Pelicans? So I, I think the sustainability is a real question. At some point, who, who, who peeps first, right? Is it going to be Panini saying, hey, GTS, you can't hoard 50% of the print run because you think you're going to be able to gouge the community. That's our end customer ultimately. It is yours too, but you're kind of hidden to a lot of these people and they don't really know who you are. We have to worry about our – I would obviously that's – I say that first because that's the situation I would – as a consumer, I would truly like to see the most. I know we live in a capitalist environment and some people believe in capitalism. Anything goes as long as the end result is you making more money. I do think that a business at some point not only has to care about their customer, but has to show the customer that they care about them. And this is an opportunity for manufacturers to say, there's something that is not sustainable about this. We could potentially go more direct to consumer. I was going to say, be specific. You you think direct to consumer is the way they should respond? Is that what you're insinuating? I think it's the easier way for them to respond. I don't think it's as simple for them to try to tell GTS how to do business. It's not really, I mean, it's possible for them to say, hey, GTS, if you want to continue to do business with us, then we're going to put certain parameters on you. You can't hoard and gouge. You, you You can't allocate in the same way that you always have. Our end, our end customers have to have more access to this. And so, so that's possible, although, again, I think in terms of simplicity, that's going to be a little bit more difficult. They could go – I think going direct to consumer is easier. I think that brings a whole host of issues with it because mm-hmm. Panini's not in the business of dealing with all of these buyers. I think it will crash their system. <laughs> I think it will – create a lot of fights between which has already happened yeah right exactly that's why i said it um for first off the line stuff their systems crashed they've had arguments and problems with who gets what you know i think i think it creates a problem as far as you know hey i'm a hobby shop owner or a group breaker and i've been buying in bulk for so long that i now have no preferential treatment and no avenue towards a better price than my end customer which is also your end customer but how do we work something out i don't know does panini open it up to people that have a certain type of account direct for say a period of time before they also open it up direct to us um when i say us obviously i mean the people who are actually buying cards to keep Mm um i I don't profess to know the answer. I do think it's worth having this conversation and 
spitballing it. Um, Do you think there's too much power in in the distributor's hands? Absolutely. Okay. So here's the, you know, here's what's going to happen, right? I think folks are going to start hobby shops, probably some breakers, not probably, definitely some breakers are going to start hearing from their distributors that they're going to be cut on products like Prism. You know, massive cuts coming. I think that's just happening. Absolutely. And in all reality, that's coming from the distributor. Because we know that Panini's not gonna, they're not gonna pull back print run, right? They're gonna uh, increase print run, uh, even if no. it's a little bit, right? Right. Um, and then, and then the distributors are gonna somehow have product a couple weeks after it releases, and everyone gets their quote allocations. But we see prices uh, increase thirty, forty percent on the on the distributor side. It's not I think more. That, that that model. That model to me is broken because that's a that's a very common story in the hobby, right? And and in f- other industries as well, it seems that other industries police themselves a little bit better. And I wonder what those mechanisms are to keep themselves in check. They could probably learn from someone. I'm not sure who that is, but I'm sure it exists. Yeah, I mean, but I, but I think the problem with all this is that th- this is creating. This is creating a false sense of security with our prices. Like it, like we just discussed, it's not sustainable. Like there right. is such a when small you say population. false sense of security, I'm wondering who who do you think feels that sense of security? The distributor or no? The I think I think the hobby, like the marketplace, feels it. Like they see right. these prices right. rising, and and they're rising not because there's less cards or because right. the cards are quote more valuable. They're rising because there's a, there's a broken model behind the scenes. They right. You're talking about the average, even potentially the business owner that is not as an astute business mind and doesn't understand that these prices aren't rising because the hobby's more popular and people are willingly paying more. These prices are artificially rising because there's a hoarding process in the middle of it all. Correct. Yeah. They, they rose last year for Prism with this idea that there was some sort of scarcity on Prism Silvers. And then as people started to do the math, they realized, holy crap. <laughs> they doubled there's the print no, run, tripled the print run. It's quite the opposite. Right. Right, right. And there, I just don't think – and we, we should find a way to do the, the math on this and we've looked into it. The amount of – of product print increase, print run increase, compared to the number of new collectors and new money coming into the hobby. Like that to me, that to me is the ultimate yeah. um, kind of model you need to figure out to decide like, are we, where are we heading? <laughs> Do you think that distributors are that sophisticated that they're looking at mar- at the market as a whole in that way or are they just going based off of the same hype that everyone feels and saying whoa the hype for Luca was this the hype for Zion is this and for that reason we're going to do what we do right? I don't know if they're that sophisticated but I mean they're I mean these are all businessmen who have been doing this for 20 years 30 years in the hobby and they they I mean, they see the trends, right? I mean, they know. 
So if we say, if we agree that the, the, the distribution model is broken, mm-hmm. this can't possibly be, if based on your logic, it can't possibly be lost on them that that's a, you know, the, a potential uh, issue for their sake well, to be worried dist- about. They, they have nothing to worry about. You kidding me? They have nothing to worry about. Well, wait a second. If, if, if we're talking about something being broken, then there has to be a slippery slope that leads somewhere. And what I'm saying is if the distribution model is broken, then ultimately the prices aren't sustainable. And then ultimately the worst case scenario in my mind, maybe you disagree, is that it, it, people will be driven away from the hobby, shaking their head in disappointment because I just can't do this anymore. I Correct. have to save that, for my kid's college. Right. When that happens – the distributor, his hands are already washed clean of this because the product's already in the hands of retailers and breakers. And because I guess what I'm talking about then is there's there is still a next level for that distributor, which is I want to be in business and making a certain level of profit forever, you know, for the foreseeable future for my life, for my kids' lives, for their kids' lives to be able to step into this business. And if I'm going to be able to do that. I have to set certain business parameters to work to live by to help make this sustainable. Unless I really don't care about anybody but myself, even my kids having a business to step into. Right? Yeah, I mean I think I'm that okay sounds good it. on paper. I understand. Right? I mean, look, it's it's those are the words I chose to use, but I guess my point is even this the most selfish businessman has this sense of wanting to see a certain legacy come from his business, not just live the high life today, but have his name live on and set up his business to live on. Yeah. I mean, this is not John Smith's AC and heating and cooling. Right? This, is, <laughs> this is like a distributor that's run by a board of directors, right? <laughs> so, So you think that they're okay with – Grabbing as much money as they can right at this moment and not worrying about the sustainability of the hobby. Um, because you're saying at that yeah. point they wash their hands of it and therefore they wouldn't be a part. I mean, ultimately, what I'm trying to say is they should have, I think their thought process should be we have a vested interest in the future of this hobby. Therefore, we need to think about what's happening and be part of a solution not just the problem and not just continue to hoard and gouge. Yeah. It, and I, I, I hear you. I do. And I'm not saying those distributors aren't doing that. I'm sh- I'm sure they're having those discussions, but at the same time, they're not the ones that will be the one that, that will be negatively impacted the most when this thing. Oh, breaks. I completely agree with that. There's so that I feel moment. like it's the probably, <laughs> Well, it's hard. It's hard to decide. They will be the least <laughs> negatively impacted in the short term. They could sure. potentially be the worst negatively impacted in the long term. That's fair. That's fair. But I mean, again, that's one of those things where three hundred percent margins this year um, and great profits versus going back to one hundred twenty percent margins next year. Like, yeah, they're going to be impacted, but they're well, so far ahead of that. It. Res- Right. Sorry for stepping on you, but no. I, I think yeah. 
I think part of what we're missing in this conversation is, and, and I do believe that they are constantly thinking about this, is this is a Zion year. We don't have to worry about our image of being part of the part of the distribution model being broken now because everyone's so focused on Zion. And let's not forget that we're only one year away from a really bad rookie class before we can't do this. Mm-hmm. And it may very well be next year that the NBA draft is so weak that we're back to everyone getting whatever they want whenever they want it. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think so I don't so think either. it's that simple. <laughs> but I mean, I think the point needs to be made that this is, you know, all of this is based on, you know, hype and potential. And we're talking about this in the year of the Zion. Yeah. I, yeah, there is some, yeah, I think there's an element to that, that these are not publicly traded companies. So they, they can ebb and flow a little bit more freely with, the, the rookie classes and not have to worry about, you know, increasing your sales revenue each and every quarter because you're reporting back to his board of, you know, group exactly. shareholders. So I think, yeah, yeah. you're probably right. There, the, and I think Panini hopefully has a little bit of foresight to know, like, hey, if this is a, a rookie class coming up that's not going to be so hot, we're going to pull back print run. We're not going to increase print run. I, I don't know. I don't know if they do, right? Because they... They're, they're coming from a place this year where they're going to have all-time highs on print runs for basketball. Are, are right. they okay with saying, hey, we're going to reduce print runs by 20% next year? Well, right. I, Interestingly, you're saying, yeah, there, there's going to be all-time high print runs after a year of all-time high print runs. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. Can they afford the... to pull back? If they cannot afford to pull back, then we will face – Another Not, 1990s era. That, that's the scariest thing that we're potentially talking about. Two major issues affecting this hobby. Not just the distribution model, but overprinting mm-hmm. as well at the same time. Yeah. That, that, that is scary. That now, is just, scary. Yeah. That's just basketball potentially. You know, maybe maybe the smart thing would be overprint across a number of different things rather than overprinting in one area. But that doesn't really work because the hype is in basketball. It's not in whatever else. Yeah. Do, do you think the reason why Panini does not put the odds on their packs and boxes is so that we can never figure out print run? Because Tops is very open about it. Like they put their odds on there, and you can you can do the math quickly and figure out. It exactly how months was printed right it's a good question i mean it would very it would make a lot of sense to say yes you're right it would also make sense to say because they have made they, they found themselves in the headlines in an in unfortunate ways for making certain claims that they couldn't uphold like game worn yeah like this car, this autograph was authenticated by us and certified by us. Dak. You need some cough medicine. Right. But, you know, uh, so yeah, I think by not printing odds, it helps them avoid an ugly situation potentially. Yeah. Um, so- 
But then why is Tops so Hmm. comfortable with it and have always done? Maybe because they've always done it. And yeah, maybe. But why would we change that now, just to avoid something that maybe isn't really a problem for us? Although it has been, it it has actually, if you think about it, it has created a problem for them, where they've had to, at times, pull a product or delay it significantly because the odds would not have worked. Because something got messed up, whether it was all of those really bad autographs in, I think it was Tribute a few years back. Mm, yep. <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. A mistake I, I do... like that, a mistake yep. like that with Panini may not result in the product being pulled. They could still put the product out without that certain bit of content, potentially. Right. Well, yeah, they would just start shipping out 250-point cards to everybody. Ugh. And they wash their hands of it. <laughs> so here's some quick math for you. If, if we take the, the, the multipliers on Contender's Draft and apply it to Prism, you're looking at hobby cases going around uh, 6,000, 5,500, 6,000. What's that for box, then? Uh, what is that? <laughs> break out to be 500 four five thousand four four to five hundred bucks um and then matt uh the the pelicans will will command somewhere around two to three thousand two grand yeah two grand for a okay so if contenders draft is a roughly a 750 to a grand mm-hmm. prism is around two grand does that make NT five thousand? Yeah, good. yeah, absolutely. With that math, it, this is all gonna this is all gonna even itself out a little bit in the first couple months, I think. But again, that you would you could argue that it should have evened itself out <laughs> with contenders draft last year. So here's um, we haven't even talked about the fact that contenders draft as we did last time, last episode. Yep. All collegiate. What we said was all collegiate products are just a significant step below. Yeah, right. And this is. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot more people that would be excited about getting Zion in a Duke uniform than Luca uh, and his. Uh... <laughs> yeah, and whatever European yeah. uniform. Right. Agreed. Very true. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit about kind of the point from right now to the release of prism which is going to be sometime around thanksgiving as an nba collector what are the two or three kind of premier cards so you got donner's hoops and certified i think out of donner's those products, hoops and certified what what yeah. three rookie cards do you go out of you go base rookies do you go autographs what do you look for in the next two months yeah, I'm. I'm probably. Um, I mean, I'm. I'm looking to get in both hoops and Don Russ, uh, a rookie set. I want. You know, it's. It shouldn't be very hard. Whether you're, if you want to buy hobby and just go with a box, you're going to pay a lot more for a hoops or Don Russ box this year than you would in years past. But it'll still be the most affordable box. Um, and and out of that, you should come close to a full set of rookies, if not actually make it. Mm-hmm. Or go the retail route and buy a few blasters and, and get a rookie set, and you might even get a 
you know, a, a good number of dupes with guys that you like. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely hoping to pull a Zion because it's going to be the only way that I'm going to get a Zion autograph. <laughs> I'm not going to be buying the Pelicans and breaks, and I'm certainly not going to be buying singles. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm throwing that quarter in the, uh, in the fountain and saying mm. a prayer. Okay. Um, okay. outside of that, I mean, I would say more specifically hoops is the first product. So, you know, there's going to be more hype around it this year than years past, even more hype than last year with Luca. Yep. Um, uh, and even though I know myself, I don't really like hoops that much, I'll still buy a little bit of it, probably one hobby box and probably a yep. handful of blasters. And then I'll focus a little bit more on Donruss. And the reason I say that is because, A, I think the cards look better. Um, and B, the potential for hitting not just an autograph potentially, but also you know parallel colors and lower-end numbered stuff is far greater. They just pack Don Russ with a little bit more content in that respect. Um, so I, I see it as, and I think the hobby sees it as a more valuable product. The price is probably not that wide of a gap between hoops and Don Russ. So if you're somebody that really just wants to focus on something more specifically, I would say pass up on hoops and focus on Don Russ. As far as total, uh, excuse me, certified, not totally. To- if it was totally certified, I'd say forget about it. That product was, it's maybe nauseous. But certified is a little bit better than, than that. But that's not the point. Certified will not be available as a retail product, or at least I don't believe so. It hasn't been in years past. And so it's really only going to be a, a choice of buying hobby or entering breaks. Certainly, in, in that kind of product, it's much less of a base-heavy product than either Hoops or Donruss, and you're looking for hits, memorabilia, and autographs. Um, I actually think that belongs in a bit of a different category. Even though it's between it, – I, I should say even though it's part of the products that are available before Prism, uh, you know, it, it really is a breaker product slash buy your, you know, your hobby box or case at full price. I probably stay away from it. Yeah, it's probably not. I'm, I'm probably going a, a, a little bit on hoops, a little heavier. Yep. As far as Donruss is concerned, and then trying to save money between that point and Prism so that I can afford a little bit of Prism. <laughs> do you do you remember what hoops cases were going for last year? I don't. I mean, I never buy by the case like you do, so I, mean, I don't roll like you do. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> you could you could snag a hoops hobby case last year for anywhere between a thousand and thirteen hundred high end thirteen hundred. You go to blowout right now. You want to buy a hoops case? I don't know how much. Twenty five hundred dollars. So our math is playing out perfectly, right? You're at about 220% increase again. And you can't get Donruss. It's sold out. It's so, already sold out? Oh, well, it's just sold out. Well, that's on blowout. Yes. I mean, you could probably stack right. some on you know, eBay. Um, wow, I would never spend that much on hoops. <laughs> 25 
hundred dollars. Wow. Oh my goodness. It just blows my mind to think about the prices that that's your entry level product right there. That is an entry level product for basketball and you're paying $130 a hobby box. Like that's what we've come to. If Zion gets hurt, what happens? <laughs> yeah. Those, uh, what well, happens? We, we, we've talked about that, right? I mean, he's over, unless over he <laughs> unless he commits a, like some sort of a felony or something, right? The, the guy is going to hold a ton of value no matter what happens. Yeah, I think our conversation Michael offline, we agreed. Yeah. Oh, even if Michael right. Porter sustained value for an entire rookie season, not playing a second, and he didn't then... play in college, <laughs> right? That's crazy. <laughs> then, and Zion obviously wowed people with his yep. for one and only college season. Um, I would say his leash is longer. I think mm. everyone would agree with that, but it, it does differ if you're playing. If you're actually playing, the hype and the anticipation of a kid like Porter Jr. not playing, I think you know. But actually, he doesn't have a chance to hurt him his own value, right? Yep. Yep. So yep. with with uh, Zion playing, I would say he has at least until the All Star break to play as bad as he wants before <laughs> anyone even starts to blink. I think get we'll it all out of your system, it. right? I think we'll talk about it if he's playing poorly, but I don't think it'll really affect his hobby value until, like I said, the the all-star break at the earliest. Thousand percent agree. And when we do our uh, rookie show in a couple weeks, we'll, we'll put some stats out there that you and I both think are kind of the, the floor of what Zion has to, has to maintain. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's going to be fun. We're running out of time, man. You ready to do some ESPN top headlines here? Let's do it. All right. Um, yeah, by the way, good conversation. With I think we went down a, a little further into the rat hole of the distributors that we wanted to, but I'd be you curious know, to think... know what listeners think. Like, What do you think about that, and what would you fix? I think it's an enormously important conversation that a lot of people are thinking about, but not necessarily having these conversations. And then I'm sure you have a community of folks that are that are a little bit more deeply involved in the hobby and have people to have these conversations with and have formulated opinions that I, I absolutely I would love to hear from both type of of people out there. The people that, you know, have really just started thinking about this for the first time because you heard us or have really developed opinions because this is important. Yep. It's really important. Agreed. Agreed. Definitely let us know your thoughts. Let us know your thoughts. Post them in the YouTube comments or Twitter, whatever. But uh, all right, ESPN headlines. We already talked about the number one headline. Our friend, Antonio Maybe. Brown. Skip him. Second one. This is my favorite one. I'm so excited about this. Report. <laughs> NCAA set to notify Kansas of violations. And they're saying harsh violations. I I mean, look, I'm a Mizzou uh, fan, you're, so yeah, I have a disdain Kansas. for Kansas. But, <laughs> you know, Mizzou, Mizzou gets punished for certain things that aren't necessarily nearly as bad as this. And, and I, I've always felt like stuff going on in college basketball with the uh, negotiating behind the scenes is just sickening. And here we go. 
Well, yes, you don't care. Well, I do. I actually have been a Kansas fan in the past. I have a good friend that played for Kansas years and years ago. Um, and you know, they're one of the, they're one of the most storied basketball programs in the country. That said, I don't know anything about this and I don't even know what the potential violations are about. Is it about paying players? Is it a, what or what? <laughs> I really don't know. Yeah. Well, seems like there's some pretty clear evidence that these guys are paying players. So. I have a friend, a different friend than the one I just mentioned, who used to, he was a, uh, he worked for Coach K back in the day. Now, you could argue a lot of, whatever. The the point is, he said (laughs) way early on in his career in athletics that it's not a question of who's violating NCAA rules. It's only a question of who gets caught. So I've kind of accepted that a long time ago, and I, I certainly have found myself agreeing more and more with Jay Billis over the years about whether or not these should even be violations and relative to how much these kids bring into the college coffers that they're playing for, uh, whether or not they're really being treated appropriately. Um, so – not knowing at all what the violations are, um, I, I just think the NCAA is a joke. And they shouldn't even exist, let alone would be levying violations against schools. Hmm. That doesn't mean that I, I think schools should be able to go and do anything they want. 30 seconds. I'm done. Okay. NBA board passes stricter tampering measures. Whoa, what is that? Tampering this, measures relative to Well, so this is around the idea of like executives and, and agents and players oh. talking behind the scenes and like circumventing the process. So they're 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 talking like fines of up to ten million dollars, teams can lose draft Whoa. picks, execs can be suspended, contracts can be voided. So I think does it's this incredibly mean- important. As much as I agree, how do you police this? These guys are friends these days. Yeah. Yeah. They talk on the phone. They talk on, you know, WhatsApp and text or whatever. And I, I just don't know how you avoid that level of conversation. Now, if you're telling me that an agent, a team exec gets involved, mm. yeah. Uh, let me ask you something. What do you think ultimately was the situation that spurred this? Was this Kawhi? Yeah, I think it was the Kawhi Paul and Paul George stuff. Yeah, I think that's right. I absolutely do. I just don't know how you police it. I agree that it's important, but I, I, how do you possibly tell a player that you can't text or call your friend during this period of time because it might have the optics of being collusion. Yeah. That's well, the only I, thing that would make sense, but I don't even know. They'll I still do it and even, get away with even it. Even stricter punishment will probably r- reduce this by a certain percentage. 
right? And right. So it's all kind goal. of hollow, but you're throwing that punishment out there that will just hopefully in and of itself be the deterrent. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. That's that's definitely interesting to see how they can actually enforce this. All right. It's Pete definitely Alonso. an interesting topic. But it, is, it is. We have a minute. Pete Alonso slugs 50th home run. He's now two shy from Aaron Judge's rookie mark of 52 homers. Wow. Wow. Did he come out of nowhere? Because he sure did for me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, I think there was some a little bit of hype, Pete Alonso, but there was nowhere near the uh, 50 home run, home run derby champion hype. And different era, man. This is a different era they are. for sure. Yeah. But couldn't have uh, you couldn't have picked a better market to kind of rejuvenate. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, twenty four years and, old, almost twenty five. So I don't think his hobby value is gonna is gonna it's gonna be astronomical. But I think it should be. Oh, I don't think so at all. No. No. No, because we've seen way too often in baseball where a guy that hits 40, 45 home runs the next year hits 25 uh-huh. and strikes out 250 times, right? Joey Gallo, right. you know? I mean, very good point. Chris Davis, right? I mean, those guys are they're irrelevant. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to have more than one tool. <laughs> Does he have no other tool? Well, I think Is he's a just solid a hitter? defensive first baseman, but I mean, yeah, look, he's not going to steal bases. He doesn't have, he does not an outfielder with a rocket arm. You know, he doesn't right. have elite speed. Um, yeah, it is what it is. I don't think home run hitters that aren't extremely young carry a ton of value in the hobby. Not to say you can't make money on Pete Alonso, but my goodness. Well, you, cer- you certainly can. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, number five. Yankees to manage second baseman Glaber Torres after Friday's fall. He hurt his MRI, hurt his uh, right hamstring right before the playoffs, and so they're going to be cautious with him. Um, okay, and there's not really much to respond to there. <laughs> Glaber's um, important, man. Except that they're going to make the playoffs, and he's important both for the team and for the hobby. If I'm the Yankees, I'm 100% sitting Glaber Torres. I don't know why you would play him in the next two weeks. Uh, Oh, right. You're saying for the the very short term you sit him so that he is there for you for the playoffs. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I might even sit him for the first round if you're confident that you can – who's their potential first-round opponent? Um, they would probably play a team like, um, would that be Minnesota? Maybe Minnesota? Huh. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I we haven't looked at the projected stand. Um, yeah, no, that's next yet. week. <laughs> yeah, that's next week for sure. Um, but as of right now, it looks like it would be, it would be the A's, the Rays, or the Indians. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay, last headline. You ready for this? This is a good one. Let's do it. Manchester City flirts with 
Flirt Swift, EPL record, uh, and blasting Watford. I don't even know what to say. I don't even. What did you I, just say? <laughs> Speak English, Tyler. Speak English. Um, you know my stance on soccer, especially European soccer. I just don't. But care. what did you say? I actually didn't get it. Manchester, Manchester City, City flirts, flirts with, with EPL record in blasting Watford. I'm guessing that's because they won oh. by a certain score, and it looks like yes, they won eight to zero. Really? That's the record? Eight to zero? See that that to me oh, summarizes so, just that typical American that thinks numbers have to be huge for them to be excited. No, I, no, I don't say that at all. Huge. But but dude, like that's the record? Eight to zero? Uh, You're flirting yeah. with the record? I mean, come on. Come on. No, I guess I understand what you're saying. With as much history as they have, you would think the record would be larger. To me, that says two things. There's a lot of parity in that league. And two, soccer is extremely, extremely low scoring. It is extremely low scoring, first of all. And there is a lot of parity, generally speaking, in European leagues. Um, And one of the reasons that is the case you're probably aware of this, Tyler, but I don't want to make any assumptions. <laughs> How dare you? That uh, that um, in European leagues, they have they have layers of leagues over there, and so what'll happen is the worst team, sometimes the worst two teams in a given league in the top late in the top level league, will go down a level. And the best team or two mm. teams in the next yeah, level I was aware of that. will yeah. come up, and that helps them con- you know, consistently have the parity that they do. Um, mm. It also is obviously a motivating factor for the teams to constantly be focused on their performance because there's no such thing as, say, tanking for a draft. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense, which I do like. Um, side note, go check out the Watford logo. Awesome. Yeah, it's like a big moose. Like, it's so nice. cool. I think I might buy a Watford hat. Well, no, I'm not going to now. They just got me eight to zero. That's that's disgraceful. <laughs> Go buy a loser's hat. <laughs> um. All right, man. Have a good weekend. Go enjoy some college football. Me too. All right. Later. Have a.